Hello and welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Evan Hochstetler. Uh, first of all, right off the bat, I want to apologize for my audio quality. I am currently sitting out on the back porch of our condo in Miramar Beach, Florida. Uh, the crickets are chirping. It's a bit windy uh, and I'm recording on my AirPods. So again, uh, the audio quality is not going to be the best today. But I figured I can't sleep. So what better to do than start this podcast? Uh, I'm not sure what the name will be. Um, but I do have a decent idea of what I want it to be about. And, uh, I want this to be sort of a, a way for me to get my opinions out, uh, in an intellectual manner, a platform for me to espouse classical liberal philosophy and conservative values and and philosophies in a way that makes sense, in a way that's understandable and relatable, and I, I want to review current current events, historical events through a classically liberal lens, um, and really, you know, whatever's happening in the world, I'll, I'll try and talk about it. I'll try and give my thoughts on it uh, along with reasoning. But I think this could be a lot of fun. Uh, I know it'll be a lot of fun for me. I hope that uh, those of you listening can get something out of it. Uh, but for now, for this first episode, for this. Uh, introductory piece. I'm going to try and keep it short and sweet. Uh, tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, tell you about my political upbringing. Uh, how I arrived at the at the train of thought that I subscribe to now. Uh, some of my political experiences, and we'll go from there. So, as I said, my name is Evan Hochstetler. Uh, I'm a native of Columbia City, Indiana, uh, one of the most exciting small towns in the Midwest. Uh, proud to live there, proud to be from there. Uh, no place at the moment that I'd rather uh, call my home. Uh, but being brought up, uh, my parents weren't especially politically involved or knowledgeable. Uh, but my grandparents on both sides were strong, strong conservatives. And uh, they were so strong of conservatives that I wouldn't even define them as conservatives. Uh by my standard today. Um, and to define that for you really quick, uh, I'm going to kind of lump the two together, but conservatism conservatism, and classical liberalism, uh, which are the tra- trains of thought that I subscribe to, the philosophy that I subscribe to, uh, essentially means that you think that most of what the government does is stupid, uh, and that sounds a bit libertarian, and it kind of is, but uh, that the government doesn't do many things efficiently and that most things are best left to the private sector when and, po- when and where possible. However, you understand, as a classical liberal and conservative, that there are plenty of things that the government should do, uh, even if they're not done terribly efficiently or correctly or morally. There, there are certain things that the government just has to handle. But anyways, uh, my grandparents on both sides uh, were extreme versions of conservatives. Um I wouldn't go so far as to say racist, uh, but they were definitely, you know, grounded in their views. They were both strong, or both sets of grandparents were strong Christians, uh, going to church every Sunday, and uh, their religion plays a huge role in their politics to this day. Um, and I'm not necessarily the same way, uh, but that's how I was I was brought up, and for most of my young life. Uh, that's the way I thought. I pretty much 
went with when when it came to considering political matters, whatever my grandparents thought, I thought. Uh, and there was a moment in time in my eighth grade year uh, in a social studies class where we had the opportunity to run a mock government, and part of that included uh, a guaranteed seat in Congress for the simulation and the potential to run for the presidency. And I jumped at that opportunity. Um, and of course, like I said, with, with politically, uh, conscious grandparents, I was already, uh, well aware of, of politics, uh, at least for my age, I was, but this, this social studies class, this experiment injected an enthusiasm about politics into me that I had not experienced or felt before. It really allowed me to educate myself and experience government on a personal level, uh, federal government on a personal level, and public service and, and all those things. And I absolutely loved that. And at that moment, I knew at some point in my future, uh, I was going to be involved in politics in a real, substantial, meaningful way. Uh, whether that means making a career out of it or some uh, some sort of, you know, watered-down activism, whatever it is, just being politically involved in some manner. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted that to be a big part of my life uh, in that eighth grade class, and that was a, a, a wonderful time for me. Uh, come my freshman year of high school, I uh, it was an election year, uh, and... My current congressman, Marlon Stutzman, who's a great man, uh, I'm lucky to have been able to got to, or I'm lucky to have been able to get to know him. Uh, Marlon Stutzman was running for Senate, meaning his house seat was open, uh, and I did a little bit of work for Marlon on his Senate campaign uh, in Whitley County, uh, but not much beyond that, considering that I couldn't drive. But uh, nonetheless, it was a it was a good experience. But I think Marlon's Marlon's decision to run for the Senate was was not the best idea, uh, and that's proven by the fact that he got clobbered in the primary. Uh, but I'm not here to diss Marlon Stutzman. I I love the guy. He's amazing. Uh, but Jim Banks from my hometown, Columbia City, uh, a businessman, uh, graduated from IU, decided that he was going to try and take that seat and Jim had been on the county council and involved in local politics um, he served in, the, in Afghanistan uh, correct me if I'm wrong Jim if you're listening to this uh, I can't remember if it was Afghanistan but I know it was in some capacity in the Middle East with the Navy um, and he's made a huge impact on our local community local community and he had up to the point of him running for Congress as well um, and my aunt took me to a primary debate for our congressional seat in Columbia City, hosted by the Tea Party Patriots, which is a local organization that I have, again, a lot to disagree with, or I disagree with them on a lot of things. Uh, but it was a good opportunity for me. And I went there, I sat and I asked some questions. I pissed a couple of the other candidates off with my questioning. Uh, but that's okay. It was, it was ultimately, I think, a good thing for me to do. Uh, but afterwards, I got to talking to Jim, and, uh, you know, he couldn't have been more gracious to me. Uh, I mean, 
truly could not have been more gracious to me. Uh, but I asked if he, if there was anything I could do to help him with his campaign. At the time, I was 15 years old. And he said, yeah, of course. We always need people to make phone calls, knock doors, uh, tag along to events and everything. And, you know, my eyes lit up like a kid on Christmas morning. Uh, because that dream, you know, that had started to cultivate itself in my mind in my eighth grade year uh, was coming to fruition, you know, right in front of me. So I got his contact information and uh, chatted with him a little bit, and I started going, you know, at every point that I could after school when I wasn't busy, when I didn't have uh, other obligations, going to his campaign office in Fort Wayne, making phone calls for hours on end uh, to voters uh, and collect data, knocking on doors. And there were several occasions where, again, this speaks to how great of a guy he is. Uh, Jim would come and pick me up at my house and take me over to the campaign office when my parents couldn't take me. And uh, that's something that I will, you know, always remember and always be grateful for. And, uh, you know, some experiences that I will treasure forever, uh, specifically because of the role they played in, in shaping my future. Um, you know, I also got to tag along to a couple of stump speeches and campaign events and everything. And, um, it was just a great experience for me as someone who was coming into his, uh, this is going to be an odd term, but political puberty, where I was really starting to fully grasp the importance of things and the way things worked. Um, getting to sit on, sit in on some, some strategy meetings was just, I mean, uh, invaluable to me. Uh, and in the end, uh, Jim won the Republican primary by, I think it was three or four points. It was a very close, closely contested race with five or six candidates and went on to defeat Tommy Schrader, who is a well-known man in Fort Wayne, uh, who won the democratic primary that year. Uh, and we're not going to get into trashing Tommy Schrader here because I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he's not exactly someone you would want to represent you in Congress. So Jim handily defeated Tommy in the general election and won his seat in 2016. Um, the year after, I was contacted by someone that I had worked with uh, or someone uh, who had kind of taken me under his wing of the bank's campaign. I was contacted with the uh, proposition of interviewing for a... Senate campaign job, and I remember vividly uh, my sophomore year of high school walking to lunch in Columbia City High School, uh, just passing the, the front doors on my way to the lunchroom and getting that text, and again, like a kid, a kid on Christmas morning, uh, my eyes lit up, and uh, I said, of course, yeah, who's it for? I don't even care. Any Republican, I'll, you know, I'll campaign for him. I'll do whatever I need to do. Um, and so he put me in contact with the uh, political director for the Luke Messer for Senate campaign. I met her in Fort Wayne for coffee at Starbucks and, you know, just to get to know each other a little bit, go over what needed to be done. I got the job on the spot. And from that point forward, I uh, was largely responsible for the campaign in Indiana's 3rd Congressional District uh, for Luke Messer. And that really 
I mean, solidified my path in my mind um, as far as wanting to work in politics in some capacity or the other. Um, but it also gave me a certain sense of responsibility that I had never had before. I mean, I had, I had been working, of course, uh, part-time at the golf course in my hometown. And so I had some sense of responsibility from that. But true civic responsibility uh, that could have impacted, you know, millions of people across the state of Indiana uh, should that election have gone in our favor. And I took it extremely seriously. It was difficult to balance high school and helping run a Senate campaign. Um, and there are many places where I fell short, uh, many places where I will admit that I didn't do as good of a job as I could have done. Uh, and then of course there were places where I excelled and I think I went above and beyond. Um, but for a sophomore in high school, I think I handled myself fairly well. Uh, but I'm not trying to do my own horn here. Uh, I just, I have such fond memories of that. Uh, going around to dinners and fundraisers and, and ballot access was a huge part of, of what I was responsible for in the early goings. Um, meeting and connecting with so many local party leaders and state representatives and state senators and uh, Steve Shine, the chairman of the Allen County Republican Party, who has since become a close friend of mine. Meeting him was, you know, one of the most transformative experiences of my life as well. Um, an attorney in Fort Wayne, he's, you know, dedicated to the party, dedicated to public service, and could not have been nicer to me. I've been over to his office a few times just to chat and, and catch up and, you know, ask questions. He's, you know, he's willing to help me in any way that he possibly can. And another thing that I'm just extremely grateful for. Um, but, you know, despite my efforts in, in tracking Todd Rokita, one of our opponents, and having some scuffles and arguments with some of his campaign staff on the trail and uh, some meetings in Indianapolis with the campaign team and all of that hard work. Despite all of that, we did not do well in that primary election. Uh, Congressman Messer lost the Senate primary fairly handily, uh, came in the third out of four. Uh, the only person who finished lower than him was Andrew Takami. Uh, and I got to know Mr. Takami pretty well, actually, on the campaign trail. And, uh, you know, that was a good honor as well. Uh, Mr. Takami was an incredible man, uh, a dedicated public servant. And uh, I still wish him nothing but the absolute best. He's a great man. I still keep in touch with him. Uh, but, yeah, after the best campaign... I kind of hit a political dry spell. I, I was actually severely depressed about the outcome of that election because it's something that, you know, I had worked for months and months and months on end for. And I had recently gotten into a relationship at the time and, you know, the amount of energy that was being drained out of me between, you know, having a relationship and working on the Senate campaign as much as possible, as well as going to high school, um, you know, it was a lot of work and time invested and energy invested. And to lose, you know, was devastating. Um, and since then, um, I've had some opportunities uh, that I've, you know, been given and I've considered and ultimately turned away. 
um, on a larger scale simply because I don't think that, you know, at this moment, I would be of much use to, you know, a larger campaign or a larger operation. Um, so because of that, I've been working with the state party and not with independent campaigns, with the state party, with the Allen County Republican Party, uh, with Mr. Shine. And uh, that's kind of where I'm taking things for now. Um, once I graduate from college, once I don't have that responsibility anymore, um, then I can actually feel confident in myself enough to shift to full-time work in politics. But, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of been my political experience up to this point. I mean, I, I could talk for hours and hours about some of the other stuff, too. Um, but I don't think that's really worth mentioning. It's not all that interesting, uh, especially to the people listening to this, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of my political experience up to this point in my life. Um, when it comes to Donald Trump, I, I guess we'll talk about Trump for a second. You know, there's a lot that I like about him. There's a lot that I absolutely hate about him. And I wish in 2016 the Republicans put up a different candidate. I don't... I I think that really anybody they put up could have beaten Hillary Clinton because she was that unlikable uh, by people on both sides of the aisle. She represents everything that is wrong with America. And I stand by that. Uh, But, uh, you know, I retroactively support Jeb Bush. Um... I've kind of been a, a Jeb Bush fan these last few months and last couple of years. But, uh, yeah, I think it's unfair to just denounce Trump completely like the never Trumpers do. Um, and I also think it's absurd to follow him blindly as my parents actually tend to do sometimes. Um, not dissing them. I love them. Uh, but I, I, I fall somewhere in the middle, which is a tough position to be in because, the people on the right, the Trump lovers, hate you because you are willing to criticize Trump. And the people on the left, the political left, the Democrats and the liberals, hate you too. Because even if you give Trump the smallest bit of praise for anything, you're a fascist and a racist and a sexist and an enemy of the people. Uh, so that's always fun trying to balance my relationship with both sides of the political aisle, if I even have one. Uh, but um, I guess I'll talk to you about my, my evolution of thought. I think I kind of got derailed a little bit uh, and went off on that long tangent, but I guess I got to where I needed to go in the end, uh, or where I was going to go anyways later in this, in this recording. But uh, after my eighth grade year, after that, that experiment, uh, I started to really, you know, go down the rabbit hole politically and search for the philosophy and the specific set of views or principles that I could hold near and dear to my heart. It was a challenging search, and I think I'm certainly more wise now than I was at 15 years old, um, which could explain some of my views that I held at the time. Uh, But I began shifting from that hardcore... uh, Christian Christian-based conservatism to a more heavily libertarian uh, train of thought and philosophy. Um, and I was a pretty hardcore libertarian too. I mean, I was advocating, you know, at least personally, you know, in my in my mind, I was thinking, you know, legalize all drugs, 
everyone, people should have the right to do whatever drug they want. And to a degree, I still believe some of that. I mean, marijuana should be legal. And, uh, you know, but that's about it. Um, but, you know, of course, you know, I support gay, I support gay marriage for the first time in my life, and I still do today, um, and all of that jazz. Um, but I was more heavily anti-government uh, than I had ever been before and than I am today. Um, and, I, you know, when I say anti-government, when talking about my libertarian views, I mean, I hated the government. And I thought the government was out to get everybody, and the government was inherently evil and uh, systemically evil, to use a, uh, a variation of a common phrase today. But, you know, it, I mean, it was extreme. From that point, I drifted more towards being what I am today, a classical liberal, a conservative. Um, and then after that, I went from my conservatism and classical liberalism to almost, you know, back to what I was originally when I was a younger person uh, with my grandparents' political upbringing of me. And uh, I became a big fan of Trump for, I mean, it was short-lived, maybe a year or so. But I became a big fan of Trump. And the reason was not an intellectual reason. It was not an ideological reason. It was specifically because I loved to piss off people on the political left. And uh, Twitter played a big part in this, too, because, I mean, there's nothing better than... I've since moved away from this, but there was no better feeling than just seeing people get pissed off over the stupidest stuff. Um, and the easiest way to do that was to support Trump and get into arguments and all of that, all of that sort of stuff. And then finally... Uh, you know, within the last year and a half, maybe even two years or so, I've, I've slowly reverted back to where I am now in, in my classically liberal, uh, conservative, uh, mindset. Um, I think conservatism and classical liberalism are really the, the, the best principles to govern our society, to live personally by, and to view the world through, um, I think that a lot of left, left-leaning liberal solutions mean well. They really do, but they're terrible in terms of actual substance and you know execution and all of that stuff. Uh, for example, um, I think climate change is 100% real. Um, I don't think it's an existential threat in the next 10 to 12 years. I think that's absolutely absurd alarmism from the political left, uh, AOC and her Green New Deal, for example. Um, but I also don't think it's something that we can ignore. And uh, shout out to ACC National uh, on Twitter, the American Conservative Coalition and Benji Backer, who are leading the conservative fight for climate policy reform. Um, you know, this is not something that we have to let the Democrats and the political left take control on, because honestly, it would be disastrous if they did. Things like the Green New Deal um, that would rely heavily on on wind and solar energy are just not sustainable or efficient or practical or, you know, cost-effective. And to suggest that they are is absurd. Um, but nuclear energy is something that those on the left will not discuss. 
transitioning towards a nuclear economy, uh, energy economy. Um, but scientifically, uh, based on the data and research and evidence, nuclear energy is the most safe, efficient, cost-effective way to produce clean energy. I'm not going to get deeper into this right now because, again, this is just supposed to be my introductory episode. Um, I'll have plenty of thoughts on climate policy and and how to approach that from a conservative point of view. Um, But, yeah, um, I think I'm just going to keep on rambling and rambling and making less and less sense if I keep going on. I forget where this point that I'm making now even began. So uh, I genuinely hope you've enjoyed this. I hope that you will tune back in. Uh, whenever I post my next uh, next recording of this podcast, um, I'll be more specific. Uh, I'll talk about specific topics, specific current events, specific ideologies and philosophies, and specific viewpoints that I hold on specific things, the reasons for those specific views and thoughts. Um, I'll rant a lot because I get angry very easily, um, especially when I open Twitter. Um, but yeah. I really hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you will continue to enjoy it. I certainly have had fun uh, over the last 25 minutes or so, just kind of getting my thoughts out there, uh, getting a little bit out there about myself and some of my experiences and why I am where I am today and what I believe. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks for tuning in. I sincerely hope to hear back from you guys. Get on touch with me on social media at Evan Hochstetler IN or Ev Hochstetler IN. Uh, let me know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, and if you really do like it, you know, if you've enjoyed yourself here with me today, please subscribe, get the word out, tell your friends, and I will see you next time.